0: A lot of times this life backs us up against the wall Seems the higher we climb, the further we get pushed and fall But we have each other to learn and grow strong Yeah, we have each other to discuss what's wrong
1: First off, like I said before, I want to thank you so much for your time because I know your time is limited between, you know, catching babies and then giving yourself time. So I want to say thank you.
0: Okay. You're welcome. Um, Thank you for inviting me. I appreciate it.
1: So how, what made you decide to be a midwife? Oh,
0: great question. So I have actually worked with moms and babies for 21 years as of this January, and that includes um, 13 years of labor and delivery experience. And then my eight years so far as being a nurse midwife, when I worked in labor and delivery, there were things that I saw that shouldn't happen, not flat out abuse and flat out, you know, neglect. Well, I did see some of that as well, but, um, but things that I knew could be different when it came to birth. I knew that the way that birth was treated in the hospital setting, it shouldn't be that terrifying or that scary to do something that should be pretty natural. And, um, just remember seeing some of the, you know, um, the requests that that birthing people would ask to have not done because it wasn't convenient for the provider. I mean, even just the position in which they gave birth, you had to lay in a certain way, or else you know the doctor was going to be upset at you um, for birthing the way you wanted to birth. And it, I thought it shouldn't be that way. It just shouldn't be that way. Um, I think that we as medical professionals should be there to help guide people because we're we are experts in the field but the person that's more of an expert with their body is the actual client and so you have to give them the data information Mm -hmm. yeah and trust that they'll be able to make the right decision and so I knew that although labor and delivery was fun and fascinating it was really cool to attend thousands and thousands of births through the 13 years I was there I knew that there was something more that I could do for people that were coming in to give birth um especially those that walked in and they didn't even know why they were there oh I'm here to have my baby well what are you having a procedure completed or what are we doing today? I don't know. And I'm like, that shouldn't be, you should not walk into anybody's hospital to have them do something to you. And you don't even know what that is.
1: Wow. I didn't even, I didn't even think yeah. of that. Um, because normally people naturally just go to the hospital, just go to the hospital, like, Oh, I'm having this baby. And there we're programmed to do what we're told. Yes.
0: Right. Don't yeah. question authority. Um, mm-hmm. And authority
1: Yeah, we don't right? It. and
0: medical professionals are considered to be authority figures, you know, medical professionals, religious figures, lawyers, doctors. Um, you just don't question it. But, you know, they're human. I'm human as well. I mean, there's some things that I feel are into my that might benefit me more than the patient, but I as a midwife have definitely learned to whatever it is, you know, tone it down and it's about the mom. Um, like for your birth example. I know I, I could have left. And came back, but I know that you were in need of assistance and monitoring and reassurance and things like that. So I stayed, even though it could have been better for me to go home and take a nap, I stayed with you to make sure that you felt secure and that the birth was what it was going to be, what you anticipated that it was going to be, or that you felt supported and loved and cared for. Um, So I just put those things to the side. There's not really a timeline for me. Like I remember in the hospital, everybody was born near, you know, 12 o'clock and 5 p.m., that was really common for that to happen. You know, mamas couldn't go past a certain gestational age because if so, everybody's head's going to explode and fall off. Um, <laughs> there were, you know, all the different, different things that, that I've learned about birth that are so different now as a midwife than I remember feeling when I was in L&D. And I knew I wanted to be able to educate birthing people so that they knew that they can make decisions about their health care. And it wasn't all up to me. If something was wrong, then yeah, I, it's really easy for me to tell you this is wrong. But when things are going right, um, or even if they are going wrong, and you, you have the option to research it and figure out what you want to do with your body and your baby, I trust that you want a healthy baby. I do. So um, I'm just there to support that. And that's what I really wanted to do. And that's why I got out of working in the hospital and wanted to become a provider so I can start from the minute that mama pees on a stick. I wanted to be there to be able to offer advice if needed. Okay, so
1: then, um, going into that, you went from working in the hospital labor labor delivery delivery, excuse me, to starting your own practice to actually opening your own birthing center here in San Antonio. Yes,
0: yes, yes, yes.
1: Did you ever imagine it to be where you are at this moment?
0: No, not at all never ever ever i never imagined working for myself but the way the story went i um shortly after i became a nurse midwife we got pregnant with my daughter who's six now and um we um and i was still working at a birth center in san antonio so i was working at a birth center in san antonio and then when i was about six weeks postpartum she let me go and i was like i I'm not even working. It's like, how do you get fired on your day off Craig? But here I, here I was, (laughs) here I was. So I was like, okay, Lord, so what do you have in store for me at that time? I didn't have a Doppler. I didn't have a tape to measure bellies. I didn't have anything because I didn't have any plans on doing this outside of where I was with the birth center. So um, I was blessed to have a couple of people call me that wanted me specifically to be their midwife. And I said, well, whatever they charge you, whatever they refund you rather I'll, you know, take that refund and I'll catch your baby. So, you know, I did it for a couple thousand dollars, like super inexpensive, but no overhead. I had, you know, it was my first one of the two clients. I didn't have anything to pay for. Everything was paper charting and very, very, very small practice. And so um, I took that money that they gave me and I bought a Doppler and I bought a um, a stethoscope, you know, a baby stethoscope. And I bought my little bag and I think I got a birth pool. So I was like, I can, I can do this. I'm going to have these things together and I'm going to get myself going. And, and then it just developed from there. Um, from there, I just continued to get clientele call. I mean, have clientele call me and um, you know, choose me to be their midwife. And I just went from there. So I never imagined. Now, after I had my own business, I thought, okay, that would be cool to have a birth center one day, I thought. And then here it is. It's a cool day because I have one. Um, I have one. So I'm the only certified nurse midwife in San Antonio. For many years, I was the only certified nurse midwife in San Antonio that was doing out-of-hospital births. Now I am um, the only certified nurse midwife in South Texas that has a birth center. So that's really cool to say. And, of course, the only Black midwife doing out-of-hospital birth. And, of course, the only Black midwife that has a um, a birth center in South Texas. It's just not common for us to be exactly
1: yeah. like that's major. yeah that is major um for you to even get there yeah it took time it did but um time is of the essence like everything came came at it the right did. time it
0: really did it really 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 did yeah yeah it really did I was grateful for the experience that I received you know doing out-of-hospital births and I'm still doing them um grateful for that experience, grateful for all of it. You know, it really gave me a chance to see, is this what I'm here for and what I need to do and what I'm going to do? Or is this, you know, is this, just does this just feel good for a second? But no, this is, I feel like this is what God has me on earth here to do. So that's been amazing. It's been amazing. And I'm so grateful and so thankful.
1: That is. So I, um, I recorded my birth and experience and I published it. Um, earlier this week, and one of the things that I mentioned was um, not only my support system, but how you don't you don't, you don't know this, but I've you were the only nurse uh, certified nurse midwife that I actually. Visit. Oh really? I did not interview anyone okay. else because oh. after the meet and greet, I felt so comfortable. Aww. It was like I knew, like right then and there, like this
0: was who. That I was is so cool because I remember looking at you and I was like does she like me? I was like, we'll see. <laughs> I know. It's like you were nodding your head and taking notes. And I was like, I, I hope I hear back from her. She seems pretty cool. She seems pretty cool. And then you call back and I was like, oh, okay, let's, let's do this. Let's do this. That's pretty cool. I could have never, I would have never guessed that you were, that you were hooked on it the first visit. I would have never known.
1: Yeah. Like I told my husband legit right after the meet and greet, I was like, Hey, you know, I met Miss Nikki and I was like, I'm so happy. I was like, first of all, I'm happy she's be black uh-huh. like, because I need somebody that I uh-huh. can relate uh-huh. to. And then I was like, the fact that she's so open about everything, like nothing. I didn't have to guess. Anything. Oh,
0: thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I
1: was like, I felt so comfortable. So boom, I was like, we're just going to go with this. Even though we was like, man, this is expensive to have a baby uh-huh. to us because we don't know. We don't know the business
0: but i was like it's worth it and especially when you could have thank you for that (laughs) thank you that really i know when um when i know people especially active duty people when they have the option to have a baby for free and they decide to pay for it that is i mean anybody that decides to pay for it but especially y'all when you can have a a a birth for free you know at the military hospital that's really i'm really honored really honored that you um you all decide to let me be your midwife it's really cool really really cool anybody Yes. anybody you know I'm like what well, you want me to care for you okay but I mean I <laughs> it's always an honor but it's really cool when people can do it for free elsewhere but they decide no we're going to pay because we know that we're going to get some great care I appreciate you
1: no problem so I want to switch gears mm-hmm. now about uh black maternal mm-hmm. health um it's a it's a big topic but I feel that nobody really talks about it other than um people that are experienced in um, healthcare as African-Americans, like um, for the majority that doesn't have knowledge, um, they have experienced things and they don't talk about it because they don't know where to talk or who to talk to. Right. Um, And like I said, um, mortality rates for African-American women and infant uh, deaths are extremely high compared to our um, counterparts of other nations, other cultures. And, um, from your experience, um, do you, would you be able to, I'm trying to say this, like, mm, do you know, like, would there be anything that you've seen or experienced that would explain maybe a little bit why it is that way?
0: For sure. It's just straight up implicit bias. People just have their biases and they feel like, um, they have certain ideas about certain races and cultures, and they assume that these things are true when sometimes they're not true um you know a big assumption is you know black women have coming in to have babies have different babies' daddies they're not married, they're not educated um they don't eat well they which is not the truth um for a hundred percent of our our women, but there are just some assumptions that are made i know and then and then people just some people are just racist. And aren't nice. Um, Being the fact that you're a medical professional doesn't make you somebody that's going to be fair to everybody or or, um, put your biases to the side. You know, putting on that white jacket doesn't change how you treat people, um, how you were raised, how you were, you know, your exposure to other cultures. I think one of the biggest things is if you think about who are the doctors here in America, they're white men, especially OBs. The the large majority are white men. And, And most likely they most likely the story is that they came from an affluent area to be able to afford to even go to medical school. So they're not coming from the hood and, you know, or one of the boroughs in New York where they've lived with and experienced other cultures and, you know, have a chance to not build up these biases against them because they know that they're human beings and know that how they live and, but they just don't have any exposure. So again, when they, when they are exposed to it then they have these biases, there's a, there's a Dr. Sims, um, years and years and years ago he would experiment on it's not that long ago but he would experiment on slaves for his different tools and procedures and and his thought was that black people couldn't didn't feel pain as much as white people did and um Mm. and for some reason it's another you know even in my years of working in the hospital that was one of the things I remember hearing people say or they're just they're just drug seeking. I'm like, she had a cesarean section, so she was cut open. There's a good chance she's really, really having pain and Motrin is not gonna cut it. Why is Motrin okay for the black woman, but Percocet's okay for the non-black woman every four hours or she gets it before she even gets a phone call. I mean, before she even pushes a call bell. So just these implicit biases that, that, you know, the people that are supposed to be caring for you automatically put on you and treat you a certain way. Not saying all people are like this. They're, you know, just in general, most people are good people. But statistically, are mm-hmm. statistically, it's showing that there are a lot of people that are caring for women of color that aren't doing the best that they can for them. And that's why we have this. And some studies will show even a five times higher chance of dying than a woman, than a white woman would. And the part that really got me when I would, when mm-hmm. I would read these statistics is that. You can be a master's prepared black woman and have a higher chance of having a complication than a white woman that doesn't even have a high school education. An unmarried, unwed white woman without a high school education. It didn't matter. Your education level had nothing to do with it. Your status in the community had nothing to do with it. It just had to do with your skin. And that's horrible because that's something we can't change. I don't want to change. I don't want to change it but that's something that we cannot change. We can change our education level, you know, with privilege and our abilities, and we can change certain things, but we cannot change the skin that we're born in. Um, So I think just implicit biases, and I remember, like, once I finally got out of labor and delivery, I would remember certain things that would happen. So we had Mrs. Jones, um, that was a Black lady that would deliver first, and then mrs jackson delivered second and she was a white lady and but they would give mrs jones's trade to Miss jackson when it came up hot and ready and ms jones would still have to wait and i'm like why is the black lady having to wait for her food oh because this mom was hungry i'm like so is mrs jones and she delivered first so that should be her trade wow. so those are the little things there's little things people don't outright call you the n-word they shouldn't they're not going to outright call you the n-word but they're going to treat you they're just going to treat you like they would rather call you. I'd rather somebody call me the N word, but give me good care, but that's not necessarily what happens. Yeah. Yeah. Just (laughs) just say it. Let me know who you are ahead of time. Let's know. But then some people don't even recognize this in themselves. They don't realize that they have these biases and these tendencies. And so that's the scary part. Um, I tell people that, you know, What makes you think they're going to treat you any differently when you go into the hospital than they do when you go to Neiman Marcus and they're following you around? Can I help you? Can I help you? Can I help you? It's the same implicit bias there that's at the hospital. So that's one of the biggest things. I think things that we can do to help change it is, um, you know, people need to be aware of their Implicit biases. They need to be aware that they have this tendency to behave and act a certain way based on somebody's ethnicity or racial background, um, and recognize those things and figure out what they need to do in order to not do that anymore. I don't know how to explain it the other way, but just not do that anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Um, another big thing is what I you know I don't know if you've heard of the term weathering or not, but it it really it's just this constant weathering, literally this constant weathering of a person that occurs throughout their daily life. So basic stuff, I'm driving down the street or my husband driving down the street, just going, coming home from work, working, you know, 20 hour shift, let's say, on his way home, tired, exhausted, gets pulled over just because he's black and driving and it's late at night. So there he is. So he gets pulled over and um, say he didn't pay a speeding ticket for whatever reason. And so he's going to spend the night in jail or two nights in jail. So he loses his job. That's the job that was supposed to pay for us and take care of our food, pay for our food and take care of us and pay the the rent that's coming up. And so he loses his job. What does that do to my ability to be able to get food? What Mm. does that do to my stress level during the pregnancy? Now that our care provider is not available to get, you know, to provide for us like they're supposed to. So those are little things that happen before they even get to the hospital. So, and then we have other comorbidities that are on top of it just that just happened in the black population high blood pressure and diabetes and these things so say if i do have diabetes and i need to be on a special diet because i have diabetes and i can't get to that special diet because we can't afford it because my husband is no longer able to work and provide for us like he did um at that good job he had because he got pulled over one time and forgot about that speed So again, that adds another additional layer. What is that going to do to my pregnancy? So you already have the stress and then you have this diet that's not being followed like it's supposed to. And then the car got impounded, by the way. So how am I going to get to the hospital? So, and then people will think back, well, then that's their fault. They should have done a better job. No, these are things that go on for all races, but it doesn't necessarily mean that the white man was going to go to jail for this speeding ticket. Mm -hmm. You know, he would have might've said, hey, you need to get that taken care of, man. And then move on with their life and then they can continue on. But so those are the little things, just the weathering there. And then prenatally, you know, you express, yeah, I've been having this headache. Oh, okay. Well, it's no big deal. No big deal. What else you got? Your blood pressure's fine. You just move on and you're like, Oh, okay, well, I guess it's not a big deal. So that's a little part of it right there. You continue on to the next couple mm-hmm. weeks. You have a little bit of swelling. Baby's not measuring like it's supposed to, but you don't have the money to go and get a special ultrasound to check out your baby but you know you can just continue on you can continue on so that's another little part of the pregnancy too that's like hmm, another part that can add to not necessarily the best outcome um and then yeah. so there's just different things that go on throughout the whole entire time we need to be listened to as black women um weathering needs to be taken into account that it's not just what happens right when you have your baby it's what happens throughout the whole entire prenatal period whether it's inability to get to the foods you need the stress that's uh, around um your life or whatever else um and then also so just being heard uh being listened to and respected and being empowered that's that's what the the, the deal is and insurances should not affect the type of care you receive and it's unfortunate as long as money is involved in healthcare, there's going to be, you know, there's going to be some problems. People are going to do certain things for some that have better insurance and not do other things for others that don't have the best insurance. And that's unfortunate because it can affect human lives. And that's not just for L and D, but just all over. So I encourage all birthing people, it doesn't matter your ethnicity, your race. I encourage all birthing people to ask the questions. There's not any of this "no news is good news" stuff because you know we're human as providers. Something could have gotten overlooked that could be detrimental towards your pregnancy outcome. Um, find mm-hmm. a doula, find a good doula that that you mesh well with, that you feel listens to you and gives you the right questions to ask, so that you can make sure that um, you are in charge because you are you are in charge of your healthcare. Um, we don't turn over as much responsibility you know, to other things as we do for ourselves when we have our babies. You, know, you don't tell somebody, well, just tell me what's the best car to get. Tell me what the best car is to get and I'll just get whatever you think it is because you're a car salesman, so you should know the best one. You ask questions, how many miles per gallon? What's the price? What's the finance charge? Um, what about your service warranty? You'll ask these questions, but we just don't, they don't seem to do that when it comes to babies and pregnancy.
1: That is so good. That is so good and so true. And I like that analogy because uh, we don't. We just think, oh, they know yeah. what's best for us. And we just mm-hmm. go with it. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. And I, we do um, know a lot of things. You know, we know the medical part of things. We know what's normal and what's not normal. But you know your body better than anybody else does because you've lived in it your whole life. So, mm-hmm. You you're the expert. You're the expert with your own body, more so than the provider is. Especially with something that's simple as having a baby. Having and grown a baby, you could not see anybody and have and grow a baby and not have any issues at all. We're basically there if there is trouble. We're basically there if there is trouble and also there to help guide you throughout the pregnancy because there are some questions you have, and um we are educated in that and to provide you some basic guidance, but you know, if it was, you know, cardiac activity, then uh, cardiac problems, and I would say, Yeah, no, I need I need to talk to my heart surgeon. But even then I was gonna ask I'd ask my heart surgeon questions, hey, tell me about this surgery. What's the survival rate? Is it worth for me to do this? Can we mm-hmm. do medication? What else can we do? What else can we try instead of ooh, whatever you want, whatever you want, you know best. It's like that's not how it works, but people do that for childbirth. So I think that's another way to help with this is not being afraid to speak up. Speaking up when you feel like something's not right or speaking up when you have a question and then having a great support team. Um, In other, yeah. Yes. other countries and other places, (laughs) we would definitely always have, you know, support around us when we're having babies. It was just culturally what was the best. And for some reason here in America, we kind of separate ourselves more and more and more, even post-birth. Mamas are trying to snap back and, you know, get their bodies back. And I'm like, your uterus is still huge. You can't snap that uterus back into place. You don't want to. You have some problems. (laughs) Um, <laughs> but I think our culture overall needs to change. And I think it's it's slowly but surely getting there as people realize that birth is not terrifying and they do deserve to be taken care of after they have their baby. Mm-hmm.
1: So I wanna um, move forward into, cause I know you were saying um, black weathering and we talked about a little bit about the disparities between um, different races. Um, one thing I have noticed um And I don't know if it's just because of social media that we see more, but there has been um, an increase of home births um, within the African-American communities. There's been an increase of doulas all around, um, which is amazing. So um, one thing I always hit on is um, um, doing research and educating ourselves. Yes. Um, because if we equipped ourselves with the knowledge, then we know the questions to ask, we know what to do, and we know how to move forward when it comes to those things. So if someone someone wanted to become a mentor, mm-hmm. let's say they wanted to start their own practice um, like you, um, what advice would you give?
0: I would all uh, definitely suggest finding a mentor. Um, I was very blessed to have Even though they're not certified nurse midwives, I had midwife friends that were out here doing it. And so they were very helpful in the very beginning um with getting things going. You know, there's some legal things that you definitely have to have in place in order to to function in whatever state that you're in. And so helping me find those resources because they're not easily accessible for everybody. So having a mentor, um, you know, taking your time with it. Try not to bite off more than you can chew at one bite. I mean. at least that brings me peace. You know, Some people are go-getters and they're like, I'm just going to buy a birth center and start from the very beginning when I get out of school. I'm like, that's great. For me, I built up my practice and then I got to a place I was looking for a birth center for like four years, a place for a birth center for like four years. And so during that time, I also built up my practice and it made it, it just made so much sense because I had a good following, a quote unquote following. I had a good clientele base. I had um, the things that would make would ensure that the birth center stayed profitable and stayed, um, you know, it just stayed profitable. Cause that's huge. So that would be another thing. The other thing um I would do is, you know, hang out with some midwives if you get a chance, not only as a mentor, but to see what they do, because it's amazing. Some of the things that the things that are done in the hospital, they're, they're done very differently at home. The pace is very different. Um The type of care is very different. It's, it's just it's just really different. So having that experience with another midwife that has some experience can be really helpful for you. Um and what else can I say? Pray. I'm a prayer. Pray. Pray and listen. And listen to when it's, you know, your time. And when it's time, then you need to be ready to jump. Pray and save. That's what I did. Prayed and saved. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <That's> yes. <good. laughs> yes, indeed.
1: That's really good. So I think that's about it. Unless you have anything else more, I mean, to sum it all up, um, for my listeners out there, um, if you are thinking about having a baby or if you are um, a soon-to-be mother at the moment, you do have a voice. um, And you need to make sure that people are listening to you. um, Because... I've heard too many stories where people felt uncomfortable, they felt like they were out of control and the last thing you want to do is be out of be out of control when you're bringing your unborn child into Absolutely. the world like your seed Absolutely. Into the world. Because there are things like I've had um my husband his uh, cousin, she actually lost her baby unfortunately. Mm, I'm sorry. Um because she did not know and her baby was healthy the whole mm. time. Um and up until birth, like there were, there is some things that she believed that happened that shouldn't happen. And now she's more knowledgeable and equipped, but we have, we shouldn't have to get yeah. to that point to
0: educate This ourselves. is true. This is true. I know that's one of the, one of the things, um, yeah. Please make sure that you um, are listened to and listen to your gut. If something doesn't set right with you, there. Is, look, let me tell you, everybody's like, well, my doctor is really nice. or my midwife's really nice. Well yeah, they're supposed to be nice. You think they're going to talk crazy to you and you're going to come back? No, they're going to talk nice to you because that's what they do. But are they listening to you? Do they value you? Does this, is is are you empowered once you leave the visits? Are you educated once you leave the visits? Those are the things that should happen. Happy uh, safe baby and safe mom or healthy baby and healthy mom. That's that's the basis of healthcare. That's not you need to you deserve more than just the basis of healthcare. You deserve to be respected and listened to and Truly cared for, truly cared for. Um, so yeah, asking questions, following your gut, listening to your gut, and don't wait for a traumatic experience before you do something different. Out of hospital birth or using a midwife might or might not be for you, but you don't know if you don't look into it. You don't know until you look into it. So I, I implore you yep. to yeah, to look into it and see if it's for you. And if it is, go for it. If it's not, then at least you look into it and you're not just going in blindly. Check out a doula, they have lots of organizations that even offer doulas for free. Um, And uh, that's something you can educate yourself. There's so much stuff on the internet, so many good resources on the internet now that um, even my page, San Antonio Nurse Midwife, you can, or SA Nurse Midwife, either one, you can follow that on Instagram and Facebook. And I have great information that I put up there a lot. I answer questions for people all the time. And um, even if they're not gonna be my patient, because I believe that it's important for people to have that great birth experience, no matter where they go. So just don't wait for a traumatic experience before you figure out that you want to do something different or feel like you want to find somebody that's going to listen to you. That's, that's huge. You can do that way ahead of time.
1: Yeah. Um, One thing I also want to bring up, almost forgot. So you mentioned that um, your mentor was not a certified nurse. So for the, for my listeners who don't know much about midwives, can you explain the different types yeah, of Yeah, yeah, I can.
0: So um, you have midwives that can be traditional midwives, yes. um, licensed midwives, or certified professional midwives. They're sometimes one in the same, and then certified nurse midwives and certified midwives. So um, licensed or traditional midwives are just that. They are sometimes, uh, they usually work through an apprenticeship and Sometimes they have a formal education and sometimes not. Um, Some people look for these type of midwives because they don't want to have certain things done. And these midwives don't necessarily have to follow any rules or regulations because they're not licensed by anybody. Um, And uh, so that's, they're not usually licensed by anybody. And then you have licensed midwives, certified professional midwives. Those two, um, they usually follow an apprenticeship program and a schooling program that usually lasts a few years and, a few years to five years. It depends on how fast they finish up. And then they take a certification exam um, through the the NARM exam. It's the North American um, Midwifery Registry. I think that's what it is. North American Registry for Midwives. I think that's what it is, one of those two. I think it's the second one, but anyway, so that's one um, type of midwife. And then I'm a certified nurse midwife, so I'm actually a nurse. All certified nurse midwives are nurses first. Um, or they have a nursing degree, um, and we have a master's in nursing. So I'm an advanced practice registered nurse. That's also synonymous with a nurse practitioner. We're under the same umbrella. So we um, can diagnose and prescribe and care for um, birthing people throughout their lifespan, so from menopause to adolescence. So certified professional midwives can only care for you during pregnancy and up to six weeks postpartum. That's their scope. Um, but I can do wellness exams when you're not pregnant, pap smears. Um, I do um, fertility education. I do all types of things for um, birthing people uh, throughout their lifespan. So that's one of the big changes, one of the big differences. And also certified midwives take the same exam that we do, but they're not nurses. So some of their, um, they usually only work in the North, uh, New York area. They're up in the New England area. Um, they're not throughout the United States they are kind of hard to find, but, um, that's a big difference. And so, yeah, I am the only certified yeah. nurse midwife, full-time certified nurse midwife that's doing, um, out of hospital births. I have been doing it for the past eight years now. There are a couple other midwives here in San Antonio. One is just getting started and hasn't done any out of hospital births yet. And the other one, um, does a few here and there, but she mostly works at a, uh, at a clinic doing women's health. Um, but yeah, so, so far it's just me. And I, I would be glad when there's many, many more. Um one of my actually one of my partners that I have that comes to assist me at births, both of them that I have right now are certified nurse midwives, but they're not full time and they're not um um you know birth center owners. But uh I wish more of us would come out here and do it because we need more and more more certified nurse midwives. Yes, we do.
1: Like it's okay to go with the traditional route and do other things, but To have that, I think I feel like it's it is because um, some people um, are expect us to go the non traditional route um, because it may take too long or maybe um, people think we don't have the uh, funds or the um, the means to get the education that's needed. But when we have people like you uh, yourself and we see that, um, I always say in my episodes at um representation it does, matters. Yeah. So when you see people do those things, it's gonna empower you and you're gonna find a way. You do. To you there. try
0: your best. And it is it, it can be really it can be financially restricting for some people to get into school. That's one of the problems that we have. Um a lot of times black people black people men and women are trying to become midwives and it's hard because it is expensive, you know, and years ago that's how they kinda got rid of us as black midwives, is they Educated us out of what we already knew how to do. We had they had all these requirements that cost a lot of money, and we couldn't keep up with these financial restraints and these constraints. So we ended up having to either be underground providers or not work at all. And so it's really unfortunate um because the grand midwives or granny midwives from the south years and years ago they lost a lot of them because of all these requirements and restrictions but we're we're coming back and I do get a lot of people that reach out and they're like oh my god you're such an inspiration I'm like I don't even know how it's like I'm just living my regular life you know what I mean so I don't see it as an inspirational thing but it is it is really cool to have people reach out and they're like I didn't think that they you know we existed and it's so amazing to see somebody and now I'm gonna get back on track and I'm gonna get it done I'm like that is super cool that somebody would think that I'm able to do that I mean I like I said I'm just living my regular life but I I am glad that I can have a positive impact on, you know, on somebody that is thinking about going to school. And um, I don't know, it's just really cool. It's just really cool. So representation does really, really matter. I have definitely figured that out. Yeah, I have definitely figured that out and I'm grateful to be able to to represent. <laughs> so on that note, again,
1: like I said before, I can't express it enough. I thank you, thank for your you. Time.
0: Um, thank you for letting me be your midwife for my yes.
1: listeners, yeah, of course. And then whenever we decide, yeah, to have another one, you I'll better, back.
0: you better. It'll <laughs> hurt my feelings if you don't, yeah, <laughs> you better. So cool, so cool.
1: But, um, so as you said before, um, you can be reached via or they can visit your Facebook or yeah. Instagram pages mm-hmm. or your website, or the website
0: SanAntonioNurseMidwife.com. nurse midwife.com.
1: And if you're in the San Antonio or I say Austin region close enough, go ahead yes. and check her out. It's, it's like my experience thank was you. amazing. I have zero thank you, complaints thank you. whatsoever.
0: Thank you. Thank you.
1: Um. So that's it uh, for today's episode. Um. And we'll see you guys next yes. week.
0: God bless. Take care. Yes.